Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance. My guest today is Kai Anderson. He's a seasoned strategist who started with his own company and now leading workforce transformation for Mercer, has spent years guiding organizations throughout Europe. His book, Digital Human, championed the concept of prioritizing humans in the digital transformation. And today we're going to talk about his new book, Work Different, 10 Truths for Winning in the People Age. So Kai, welcome to the show. Thanks much, John. Great to be here with you. So I always like to pick apart titles and subtitles particularly. And so let's start with People Age. What? How do you describe this thing you're calling the People Age? I'm glad you're picking that, John, because, you know, in, in fact, the idea was that the initial that the initial title was the people age, but we turned it around. So why is it the people age? You know, we've, we, we, we had some major trends evolving in the past, like 50 years, which brought us from the industrial age into right. another age. Some people argue it's the digital age. We say it's the people age, right? And of course, we have some like short term events like the pandemic, you know, that also accelerated some of these trends. So what are some aspects of that make this? I mean, what are you reference the industrial age? What, you know, what are the aspects that make this the people age? John, you know, the industrial age was very much the, the, the core paradigm of the industrial age was command and control. And that worked pretty well. And we have to see that employers and employees were not on eye level. So, you know, this was like, as we see still in some organizations like military, that was a different yeah. kind of organizing work and it was a different relationship. And that has changed significantly through, you know, of course, demographics, right? Now that labor, we, we all face labor shortage, things have turned around, values have shifted. So that is something which is very different to what we've seen in the industrial age, where we are now coming towards, well, the balance of power, if you would like to say mm -hmm. so, um, where we are coming to a new kind of relationship between employers and employees or contributors, as we say. Yeah. So, so the book also uh, unveils 10 truths. I'm not going to ask you to uh, name your favorite uh, truth or name all 10 truths, but I wonder if there's one or maybe two that you would say, hey, these are the most significant things, or these are the things people get wrong <laughs> the most in this age. It, it really starts with, John, what, what I just mentioned, the contributors. So the first chapter is goodbye, employee, hello, contributor. And I think yeah. we, we need to get rid of the idea of an employee. People want to contribute. They want to bring yeah. their very best to work, and they want acknowledgement for that. And that is something that has changed a lot. You know, I guess when we started working, right, it was all about like, you know, getting a good paycheck and that was it, right? <laughs> and that has changed dramatically. So the contributor, and we see that in our global talent trends, you might know that we, we do like annual, of course, surveys on, on mm -hmm. what is trending and what people expect. And more than 40 of people say that they want appreciation for that, what they bring to work for their contribution. So that is a very important chapter. One of my favorites. It's the first one. Of course, I have others. Yeah, and I also like the the use of new language too, because I think a lot of times old language employee, you know, is kind of loaded with how people think about that. And I think it probably in some cases almost takes an, an entire, you mentioned paradigm, almost a paradigm shift of what an employee or the term employee even is. Absolutely. 
So you also mentioned the pandemic, and it's hard to talk about any kind of thing around team and staffing without bringing it up. Hopefully, we'll grow out of that uh, at some point. But remote work certainly has been around for a period of time. But talk about accelerating that. You know, it's certainly changed a lot of organizations dramatically. How does the people age, how do the 10 truths really relate to the idea that so many people now are not physically you know, in a building with their place of employment? I'm, I'm glad you're asking. We have, of course, we have a dedicated chapter on that. It's called the, the new rhythm of work. And, and that is, by the way, we have a lot of musical references. So if you're not into music, you might not like the book, right? But if you're <laughs> into music, we have a lot of references here. And the new rhythm of work yeah. is like... You know, the good thing, there was one good thing about the pandemic, then it was that it showed us what is possible with regard to working virtually. And in the you know, in the beginning, it worked out pretty well. But then we kind of struggled and organizations started to struggle because we were getting out of sync, right? So some people were starting early, others were starting yes. late, some were commuting, others were working from home. So we're not in sync anymore. And, and that is why some companies, you know, are calling people back into their offices, which is, of course, not the answer because the ghost is out of the bottle, right? Yeah, yeah You know, you yeah. cannot turn it back. But we need to kind of find that new rhythm. We can need to, to kind of get back in sync with each other to make that entire thing work. If the workplace is changing, if organizations are realizing this is the people age, what are leadership you know, how does leadership have to change? You know, does training need to change? Do who we think of as a leader need to change? Certainly the hierarchical, you know, structure of leadership has to change. What do you tell people now when they're trying to think, how do we develop leaders in our organization in this kind of new age? First of all, you know, leaders should read our book, John. <laughs> Obviously, of course. Yes, well, that, we of should. course. <laughs> you know, of course. Because... Because, no, I think we, you know, the book is not targeted at like HR people, not primarily. It's targeted at leaders, at executives. Right. It's targeted at people that want to understand how this new world of working is working and what it takes. And I think we have some really great, you know, advice also for leaders in here. Let me take one or two things. Okay. You know, the basics of good leadership have not changed, not really, right? You know, being on eye level, these kind of things, right? So it, it, here's the, but of course, there are things that are new. And let me take empathy, for example. Um, empathy is something that has really emerged strongly with the pandemic because we had to put, you know, we, we had to get into, you know, the other's shoes, right? Really understand what is bothering you, you know, how do you feel? And that kind of notion, you know, think back 30 years ago, that, that would have been impossible, right? But now it's a real, it's it's a leadership competency we're talking about. So, yeah. and, and empathy is the beginning of inclusion, right? And what we all want is, you know, a diverse and inclusive workforce. So the basis for that is empathy. So we're drawing the line here to make sure that people understand what is good leadership about, what has changed, and what do you need to know as a leader in the people age? So there were a couple of terms that were certainly used throughout the U.S. I'm not sure if they were used as much in Europe, you know, quiet quitting and the great resignation, you know, were things of, you know, where people were up and leaving, choosing other jobs. And I think a lot of people initially 
kind of pegged that as, oh, people just don't want to work anymore. But I think what really came out of that was people just don't want to work for you anymore, you know, or at this place, right? So so how does this real sort of desire for engagement, for well-being, you know, in the place that they work, you know, manifest itself? It's also something that is, you know, has very much been accelerated by the pandemic. Yes. Because, you know, we were sitting in our homes, we were like, you know, considering and, and, and thinking about, you know, what you know, what's life about, you know, and, and what I, what do I expect from life and what do I expect from work? What I, what do I expect from my employer? Yeah. Right. And so, so it wasn't really surprising that people, yeah. you know, in the pandemic and after the pandemic thought like, you know, is that it or is there more to it, you know, and, and what am I going to do? And of course, you know, we have to be fair, John, this was fueled to some extent by the labor market situation course you know when i when, you know when i can change like this right <laughs> that's not that much of an issue it's i think it's now a bit harder and the great resignation has stopped you know as a movement but, but also here you know i think we see a, a genuine shift of preferences with people and we see people asking for purpose right for purpose of their companies yeah. for purpose yeah. you know in their lives and and i think that's a good movement it's my pleasure to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, our friends at Active Campaign. Active Campaign helps small teams power big businesses with a must-have platform for intelligent marketing automation. We've been using Active Campaign for years here at Duct Tape Marketing to power our subscription forms, email newsletters, and sales funnel drip campaigns. Active Campaign is that rare platform that's affordable, easy to use, and capable of handling even the most complex marketing automation needs. And they make it easy to switch. They provide every new customer with one-on-one -on -one personal training and free migrations from your current marketing automation or email marketing provider. You can try Active Campaign for free for 14 days, and there's no credit card required. Just visit ActiveCampaign.com/duct tape. That's right, duct tape marketing podcast listeners who sign up via that link will also receive 15% off an annual plan. If purchased by December 31st, 2023, that's activecampaign.com slash duct tape. Now, this offer is limited to new active campaign customers only. So what are you waiting for? Fuel your growth, boost revenue, and save precious time by upgrading to active campaign today. So you already mentioned diversity and inclusion. You know, I think that workplaces have become more diverse generationally, I think, which is probably driving some of this. You know, you think of some of what we've talked about has really been attributed to millennials. You know, the I want to work at a place that matters, you know, necessarily, it may, you know, that's higher than what I'm paid maybe. Talk a little bit about, I know you have a whole chapter on diversity and inclusion and not as a, as a regulatory <laughs> uh, process and more of a people want to work in companies that, that value that. That is also some of the, you know, shift in preferences that we're seeing that is very much tied to, you know, I want to bring myself to work. I want to be yeah. looked at as an individual, right? That entire idea of the workforce, the human resource is a very abstract thing. Yeah. And that is not, you know, John, we're living in, in a world of hyper individualization, right? People want to be seen as an individual. I have been working with the former CHO from Deutsche Lufthansa, Bettina Volkens. And she's a great woman. I, I, I did uh, my last book with her. And she said, everybody wants to be seen. 
That was her mantra. Everybody wants to be seen. Yeah, yeah. You know, with an airline, imagine that is so true, isn't it? Right. And that is the genuine idea of inclusion and diversity. So how do the truths uh, that you share in this book uh, or, or the insights you share in this book, you know, help people create a more uh, inclusive environment, help people be more seen? I, th I think it's the combination. And I think it starts general, with the general idea of this people age that has come. And we have a dedicated chapter on AI and technology, right? But <laughs> the idea is it, it starts with the people. And if you consider that, if, you know, when you ask executives, what's your most valuable resource? What will they answer? It's the people, yeah. you know, it's the people. But that has been a lip service, John, right. for years and years. Now it's becoming true. Now people start realizing it is the most valuable resource. And that is the first thing I think that needs to not necessarily change, but that needs to be top of people's mind to say like, yeah, it's the people that will make us successful or not. So, and it's the diversity of people that will make us more successful. And we have studies on that, right? We have, we, we have, we, we know that diverse teams are, you know, better performing than non-diverse teams. So, so we know that. And I think we, you don't have to argue about that anymore. The question is, in fact, you know, how do you do it? Right, right. So, so you mentioned AI. That was my very next question because there, there's certainly a lot of hand wringing in some circles, just about the idea that AI is going to replace people, that uh, robots, you know, are going to replace people. So, how do you leverage technology? Because we also know that this technology sometimes affords us some great things. So, how do you leverage technology with also then keeping some sort of human touch? I'm John, I'm a big tech fan, frankly, and I'm a big believer of, you know, technology being an amplifier for our capabilities, which is why the chapter on AI we call intelligence is amplified, right? So we see right. it as an amplifier for our intelligence. And, and you mentioned the, the gains, right? We're talking 10 to 30% productivity increase. So this is incredible, especially if we consider that the past years, you know, have been, you know, stagnating with regard to productivity increase, right? So, so here's, here's the kind of boost that we all want. And I see it as a means, or we see it in the book, as something that is highly beneficial for the organization, of course, but also for the contributor, for people within the organization, if we manage to kind of what we call, you know, have a fair distribution of the digital dividend. I know in my organization, most of the members of our team are uh, fit into the millennial um, generation age wise. And one of the things that I find is very valuable to them. They always want to continue to learn. Like what we talk about it every week, you know, what'd you learn this week? You know, what's a new thing you can share this week? How do you cultivate that kind of culture without also kind of cramming like stuff down people's throats. You know, it's like, you have to keep learning. You have to keep training. You have to keep, you know, reading, you know, how do you create that in a way that feels very natural? It's that's a cultural thing first, you know, and, you know, look at Microsoft. They, they did an entire campaign on learn it all versus know it all and look at where they are. Right. So, so to me, that is first of all, really cultural development and, and you need to get to a culture that, you know, first of all, 
you know, is, is about curiosity, being curious, right? Trying to, trying new things, exploring things. I think, you know, we have cultural differences when we look at the US versus Europe versus Asia, you know, Europeans are much more hesitating when it comes to new technology. That's different in different parts of the world. But start with the chances first, have that kind of curiosity. And then it's about, of course, embedding learning into everyday work, giving people the tools, giving people also some time. And most importantly, you know, having the freedom to fail, right? So what we call psychological safety, create that psychological safety, say, you know, you try, it goes wrong, doesn't matter. You know, you're not supposed to do it wrong twice, right? But once is a... <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So I, I'm sure you get this question, especially in a consulting role, if you're talking to a CEO, you're talking about change in some instances. You know, this is not how every business is run, right, today. So you're talking about uh, some significant change, sometimes equates to significant investment. So how do you how do you help people realize the return on an investment in their people like we're talking about? Is there a way to measure like this has been successful? Good question, John. It you know, when we're embarking on these exercises, um the first thing that we make sure is you, you know, we're not really convincing people of like the return of investment, but rather is it the right thing to do? So is there like you know, you want to get more profitable right what's where does it stop you know what are you going to do without like the kind of performance mindset right you want to be yep. more innovative you know you want to be more customer centered is that a structural thing or is that a mind mindset kind of thing so, so so this is first of all you believe it or not and there are people that don't believe it right that what, rather want to get into structures into processes and say sure. you know it's not this is not about people but more and more people buy into the idea of, you know, at least people have something to do with it. So I'm not saying that we're not, of course, we are setting objectives like net promoter scores, you know, we're, you know, there's a whole bunch of objectives and we're doing extensive employee listening to see yeah. what arrives, you know, with employees, with contributors. Yeah. So, so this is something, and in the end, of course, you want to, you know, see like the business results of all of that. But it's cause and effect. I, I know and we know we have great examples also in the book from organization that managed to kind of become like a digital champion, for example, right? By, by at least investing heavily into their people, into their cultures, into their people practices. There's the hardwired stuff as well. You know, there's objective setting, incentive systems, performance management, you name it. Of course, that plays a role. I, I suspect if you want to default or what I would default maybe as a, a simple metric is retention too. Um, I mean, no, that's, sure. you know, yes. <laughs> so many people left companies they didn't like working for and it was very expensive to replace them. Retention is, you know, meanwhile, is re retention is a business objective. Exactly. Just as diversity yeah. is, just as diverse, uh, ju just as engagement. Of course, you're absolutely yeah. right. Well, Kai, I appreciate you taking a moment to stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. You want to uh, invite people where they might connect with you, obviously find uh, a copy of your latest book, Work Different. John, thank you so much. Yeah, please reach out. LinkedIn, great channel. Make sure that we follow you, John. Great talking to you. Good fun. Yeah, awesome. Again, thanks for stopping by. Hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there uh, in, in Europe.